Good morning and welcome to our broadcast today and we hope that you've done well this week. We trust that you have been well blessed and that uh, you've really enjoyed the time that God has given you. Uh, we want you to join us this morning in Mark chapter 5. We're going to begin reading with verse 21. So uh, also we will jump some verses uh, beginning uh, at, let's see, uh, from 21 through 24, and then we will skip down and we will pick up again at verse 35. If you were with us in our previous broadcast, you will remember that we took that small section of the woman with the issue of blood, which is nestled in, in the middle of this passage. So today we're going to pick up uh, the passage of Jairus' daughter. And we want you to find your place in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. As you do, we also want you to join us in prayer this morning. There's a lot going on in the world right now. A lot of division. A lot of evil. A lot of wickedness is taking place. It isn't anything new. Wickedness has been in this world since Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. Because of this wickedness, though, Satan has manipulated people. Demons, devilish ways, are showing up and being more prevalent every day. They are bolder when it comes with dealing with people. And we want to remember people. We want to remember friends and neighbors and loved ones and family. We want to remember all of the issues that are facing our nation, the world, our government. We want to pray for God's hand. And if it not be God's will to restore anything that is taken away from us, then let us Pray for peace and wisdom to deal with it according to his way and according to the way that he wants to work with and deal with uh, everything around us and in our lives and in our nation. So without any further ado, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and we'll ask him to bless our nation. And if you have any request anything at all, feel free to post it. Feel free to mention it with as much or as little detail. All we want people to do is to pray for you. Whatever need that is in your life right now, that God may meet it according to His will. That's what we want to help you pray for. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father and Lord God, we thank you for the many blessings that you have given us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the love that you have shared and bestowed upon us. And Lord, we ask that you would move in a mighty and powerful way. Lord, we ask that you would move and bless our nation today. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would uh, forego and hold back wickedness as it tries to destroy the lives of many in our country and in the world around us. Heavenly Father, we pray that peace and wisdom and understanding would be granted by you to your people. 
that Heavenly Father, we could go about doing your work. Heavenly Father, we can go about sharing the gospel with those that are in need around us. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open up your book, that you would open it up today and you would share with us the glorious wisdom of your word, that you would make it known to us, Heavenly Father, that it wouldn't be hidden, but Lord, that it would be made abundant in our lives that we may share it with others. Lead God and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 21 today. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come, and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with it. And much people followed him, and thronged him. Now let's move down to verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue, Certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado? And weep, the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was laying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kuma, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. And he changed them straightly, that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. So there we have the Bible's account of Jairus' daughter. We see here also that Jesus has been going from one hopeless situation to another. We've witnessed him demonstrate his power over a stormy sea, a demon-possessed man, and a very sick woman. Jesus has proven he's more than adequate for any situation that comes into his presence. Jesus spoke, and when he did, a raging storm and a tossing sea suddenly calmed. At his command, a man that was 
held captive by demons, was set free. His power and his authority instantly healed a woman captured in terminal illness. These three prove that Jesus is the master of any and every hopeless situation. Thank God that we serve a Lord who controls the power of everything around and of the evil and wickedness and death and disease. We serve a Lord with whom nothing is impossible. Today, the text that we covered looks at another hopeless situation. Jesus faces the greatest enemy known to man in this situation. He faces death. But yet, facing death, Jesus walks away in victory. As we catch our Lord conquer one hopeless situation after another, uh, it should give you and I hope. Hope when our own desperate times come. And I will say this. If you haven't already faced a desperate situation in your life, you will. You will. You will face a desperate situation at some point in time in life where you will come to a point where all hope is gone. The doctor will offer no more hope. Science can offer no more hope. All of the wisdom and the powers of technology can offer no more hope. And you will sit there with nothing if you don't have Jesus. Think about that. Some of you watching or listening at this broadcast have no concept of who Jesus really is. Some of you think and treat him as if he is a genie in a bottle. Some of you treat him as if he is uh, just some figment of an imagination long past. Someone who, like the uh, like the characters of Shakespeare have been written in literature and placed on a very high esteem. Some of you choose not to accept Jesus in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Yet, regardless of where you stand in, re in, in the application and the belief of Jesus, you will one day face hopelessness. And when that time comes and there is nothing left for you to go to, what will you do? Will you then, like many do, turn to Jesus in a desperate plea of maybe, maybe he's there and if he is and if he'll do this, then it will convince me and I will follow him? No, you won't. Jesus does not negotiate. You must understand that today. Jesus does not negotiate. 
I want to draw your attention to verse to verse number 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, that would be Jairus, Be not afraid, only believe. You see, Jairus believed in Jesus before he ever went to him. That's why he went there. But now Jesus says something entirely different to Jairus. He says, only believe. There is a difference in believing in Jesus and believing Jesus. There's a very big difference in how you approach the Lord in these matters. You see, by believing in Jesus, we approach the Lord with a plea of our situation. To believe Jesus is to trust him with that situation and knowing that whatever transpires will be his will. And we believe that. We accept it without any doubt. We accept it without any compromise. We accept it without any negotiation. And Jesus told this man, only believe. And I want you to think about those two words this morning while I go down the road of this message. I go down this road to see where faith intersects with belief and where it leads us. First, I want you to notice with Jairus the conception of his faith. Jesus had just gotten off a boat. He had been traveling all night. He and his disciples had left from the other side. They had dealt with the demon-possessed man at Gadara, and from there, uh, Jesus and his disciples got back on the boat. They traveled all night. Now they are back at Capernaum again and immediately met with a crowd of people, and immediately met by Jairus with his plea. So as we look at the conception of Jairus' faith, let's notice first the direction of Jairus' faith. In verses 22 and 23, the man is a ruler of the synagogue. This means that he is a very high-ranking religious person in the Jewish faith. He oversaw the business of the synagogue. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a teacher. He took care of the synagogue. He managed the business of the synagogue. He arranged for those to be coming and going and, and teaching in the synagogue. Yet he was a man of power and position and prestige and prominence and all of those other nice words that we use to describe an alliterated success. Jairus was successful. He was a religious person and he was successful in the world as the world saw him and in the church 
as the church saw him, using that word interchangeably with the synagogue. Yet, when this matter came, when Jairus' daughter became sick, Jairus only thought of one person. He no doubt had heard Jesus speak. He no doubt had heard about all of the all of the uh, things that Jesus had been doing. He no doubt had heard the wisdom of his words. Maybe Jairus had even attended some of the preaching and teaching himself. So when Jairus' daughter had gotten sick, Jairus didn't go to the priest. Jairus uh, did not go to the others that were around that maybe could have given him the benefit of their uh, knowledge or of their religion or whatever that was going on. No, Jairus came to Jesus. He came to Jesus in such a way that his faith was directed not to the religious establishment of the day, but it was directed to God. Whether Jairus was ever asked how he believed in Jesus or whether he believed in him or what was going on there, we don't know. And Jairus probably didn't care whether he was ever asked. The fact was he heard and he believed in Jesus. That was the direction of his faith. It was in Jesus. So now we look at the depth of his faith. The depth of his faith is found in the last part of 23 and the first part of 24. Perhaps Jairus has heard that Jesus could do many miracles. Perhaps he had heard of the stories of the things that had already been done. And he thought, just maybe he can do something with healing my daughter. And again, because of the direction of his faith and the ability of that faith to be deepened, Jairus went to Jesus. It's the kind of faith that the Lord is looking for in our lives today. We have the virus is continuing to work. The COVID-19 is working its death among uh, the people of the world. And we are turning more and more to fighting of the types of sciences that are out there. Today, this is going to fix it, and tomorrow this has failed. Uh, over and over and over, one political party and one government is taking jabs at the other, constantly trying to make accusations and point fingers. And in the meantime, we find ourselves facing a perceived hopelessness. That is, unless you are a born-again Christian and your hope and your faith 
is in Jesus. Now that doesn't mean I'm telling you to not take a vaccine. If you want to take it, take it. That's between you, your doctor, and the Lord. Okay? Take it if you want to. But in the end, in the end, where is your faith? Is it in science or is it in the Lord? That is a question that you have to answer. Today, today, life in the 21st century needs to return to Jesus. Life in the 21st century needs to come back to this book, to the Word of God, the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God that has stood through the wars and the famines and the disease and the pestilences of time. The Word of God that still stands ready to be read by all who will pick it up. Yet for some reason today, too many people are choosing not to open their Bible and read it. Too many people are choosing to walk away from Jesus. Too many people are choosing to find themselves placing hope in things that are hopeless while Jesus stands there ready saying only believe. Only believe. And we won't do it. We won't. We find that the conception of Jairus' faith is a conception of faith that we need to embrace ourselves. It is simple. It is basic. It is fundamental. It is based entirely on the belief in the inherent, infallible, inspired Word of God and the truthful preaching of it. Today there are a lot of people who say that they will not listen to this preacher or go to this church because of this or because of that or because of the other. And it is all a worldly or a political or some type of a personal issue there that has nothing to do with the preaching of the Word of God. Nothing. I have been told by many people, I won't go to church because they're preaching politics. Well, honey, if they're preaching politics and you're that quick to pick up on it, that must mean that you're looking for opposite politics to be preached before you'll go there. That must mean you're looking for your politics to be preached or no politics to be preached. Get over it. If you can't stand the ability to be corrected by the Word of God, you have got problems that are much deeper than politics. 
If you can't be corrected and you can't stand affirm on the word of God and call sin, sin, and righteousness, righteousness, without having to put a political or a governmental or some other type of a labeling on it, you're the one with the problem. And until you get repented of it, and until you get it right in your heart, and until you get it right in your life, don't worry about pointing it out to someone else. This Bible changes lives. It doesn't endorse them. It changes them. It points out every weakness of mankind. And it changes us to conform to the image of God through salvation in Jesus Christ. It is the conception of faith the conception of faith in our life. What about the confusion that faith may cause? Someone has said a faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. So here we see the fledgling faith of Jairus being put to a test. A hopeless situation grew worse with every passing moment. A faith that was already fresh and fledgling was being brought to a breaking point. Have you ever had your faith brought to a breaking point? Really and truly a breaking point. Where you stood at the crossroads of going back where you came from. Or going forward into something that you had no idea where it was going to lead. You see... When we reach that breaking point, we move ahead by faith, not knowing where the road will go, not knowing where it will take us to, not knowing if it will end in death, not knowing if it will end in poverty or prosperity. But we have to make a decision. Do we go forward? By faith? Or do we go back? Some of the greatest books that have ever been written have been written about that particular analogy, that illustration. One that comes to mind is what I consider to be the second most important book in a Christian's life. The Bible being the first. Make no mistake, 
This is the most important book in your life. The one that I personally feel is second to this is a book called The Pilgrim's Progress. And it is a book that is written about the growing faith in a Christian's life. How trials are met and handled. What it is like to reach that breaking point and go back and be corrected. Repent and move forward. And then move forward when those breaking points are reached again. About making decisions and how to make the decisions. And weighing out the diversity of answers that come from those decisions. Yet, nonetheless, it leads us and leads us and leads us to the Lord. In the end, to the Lord. You see, Jairus was confused. He was confused by hindering situations. You see, Jairus dealt with these hindering situations by his heartfelt directions. Have you ever stood at a crossroads and making a decision and logic tells you to do one thing while your heart tells you to do something else? Or let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Logic tells you to do one thing. Conviction tells you to do something else. Conviction. Logic says this is the way that will be most accepted. This will be the way that will be most popular. This will be the way uh, that the world around me will understand and that they will be able to grasp what I'm saying and what I'm wanting to do. But my convictions tell me that I need to do this because this is the right way. This will not have any compromise. This will not have any smoke strings put in front of it. This will not have anything laid out that will have any hindrances to the direction and to the end. There will be no doubt when I follow my convictions. What do we do when we're hindered with making those decisions? That's where we find ourselves today. That is where a number of people in America finds themselves today. A number of people in the world around it finds themselves today. They're finding themselves in being caught in a crossroads of conviction and compromise. And too often we're choosing compromise. Even in the church, we're choosing compromise. Even in the church, we had rather be politically right as far as a party of, of politicians goes than we had be correct in our biblical convictions. We find ourselves confused 
in our faith. And we also find ourselves confused by hopeless situations. When we find ourselves at that crossroad where we have to follow compromise or conviction, it is a hopeless situation. We have the world pulling us this way and we have religion pulling us this way. And we often find ourselves looking right and looking left and never looking up. Never looking up to see what the Lord wants. Never looking up into conviction. Never looking up into what his word would say. Never tuning out the right or the left. Instead we find ourselves tuning out the Lord and his word. The confusion that we deal with because of our decisions often puts us in a much graver condition than we could have ever worried about or fretted being involved with. Friends, the confusion that Jairus had was easily put to bed by the words of Jesus when he said, be not afraid, only believe. We can go round and round and round through the hopelessness of situations that we're faced with in life. And we can go round and round and round in the turmoil and in the mud of this, of the right versus the left. Versus the fundamentalist. Versus this one. Versus that one. But in the end. The answer is only believe. Only believe. That's where we find the confirmation of Jairus' faith. He didn't care what the synagogue thought. He didn't care what the priest thought. He didn't care what the powerful thought. He didn't care what the prestigious thought. He didn't care about what any of the affluent thought. The only thing he cared about was getting it right in his life. For his sanity. And that meant his faith had to be right. That meant he had to believe Christ. Regardless of popularity. Regardless of anything else. He had to believe Christ. Friend, you stand at the crossroads today of whether or not you will believe Christ. Whether or not. You will choose 
him over all of the other options that are laid out before you. Truthfully, some of those other options may look more appeasing and more appealing today than Christ. But will you believe it? Will Christ confirm your faith? You see, the words, be not afraid, but only believe, simply confirmed the Savior's words. Jesus and all of his teachings, everything that we've covered so far, out of Mark and the teachings of Christ, come down to these four words, five words, be not afraid, only believe. And here stood Jairus, having known by word of mouth or by actual witness or whatever, everything that had went on up until this point, it come down to Jairus believing in Christ. You may have heard the testimony of people who have said of everything that had happened in their life and the work that Christ had done in their lives. You may have read the countless books of the work of Christ in people's lives. But now it comes down to you and the question, will you only believe? That's where you stand today in the confirmation of faith. Because you have a need that only Christ can meet. It may be salvation. It may be redemption and the fact of returning, the returning of a prodigal child and the redeeming of that person. It may be a health situation. It may be a financial situation. It may be it may just simply be a situation of looking for peace and closure in something. You have a need. Only believe. Some of you have a fear. Only believe. Some of you are looking at hopelessness today. Only believe. What will happen as that result? I can't tell you that your model of Christ moving will be fulfilled. I can't tell you that. I wouldn't think of telling you that. I will tell you this, that if genuinely you only believe in Jesus, you will find peace in your closure. You will find the reality of what it means to believe in him. You will find what it really does mean when we say to be saved, to be born again of the blood of Christ. It is more than believing in him, it is believing him. You will understand what it is like 
when the prodigal son is welcomed home with his father's outstretched arms, it is a matter of believing Jesus. You will know what it is like to have the fears of evil and wickedness quenched by the power of heaven only because you believe him. You will understand hope as you have never had hope before when you only believe. You that are listening and watching today, you, you have a reason to believe. The question now comes to you. What hinders you from believing? Nothing. Nothing except you. Nothing except you. So before we close this message, Will you believe? Will you believe as Jairus believed? Will you put all that, will you put everything else behind you and look to Jesus, believing every word he says, believing this book, as inerrant, infallible, inspired, will you only believe for whatever that need is in your life? Call upon Jesus and only believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word you've given. Thank you for the opportunity and the time that's been provided. Now, Heavenly Father, as we move about our day, I pray that this, this message and the words of your book will reach out into the hearts and lives of those around the corner and around the world. And Heavenly Father, I pray souls will be saved. I pray backsliders will be reclaimed. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you will touch those that are the closest to hell and that you'll see them turn to you before it's eternally too late. Lead, guide, and direct us in everything that we do and we say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, may God bless you, is my prayer.